Hey guys, welcome to Know Your Gear, episode number 86. We're getting closer to 100. 100 seems like a pretty substantial thing to hit. Uh, before we start the show, I just want to say thank you to a few new uh, patrons that are supporting these live shows. We have Dennis Prescott uh, and uh, Greg Peterson, who recently joined up. But then we also have Kyle Mathis, and we had another one. Where is it at? I'm looking at it right now. The little star next name. There it is, Scott Germain. And uh, also Todd Flowers. They're all new ones, and uh, I want to thank them for joining up this week and then we'll do a shout out in a little later uh for the rest so we can get started since uh the big thing was we missed last week right so we missed last week uh we had a kind of a greatest hits uh video instead uh and uh so we're gonna do live today how's everybody doing uh i hope you had a great week i'm having a great week it's been busy I've been driving a lot. I'm almost sick of driving. Uh, I say almost because I'll be driving again very soon. <laughs> uh, so, eh, you know what? Just looks, listen to some, uh, to some. Uh, what is it? Audible. You know, right, get some books. Um, listen to those and just make a fun drive out of it. Uh, so, anyways, while we're getting started, let me peruse some of the questions that I've already seen piling up. And the first one is from Galactic Invaders. He says, hey, Phil, love all the gear in the room. Uh, this room, I'm sure, uh, having a ton of stuff, having a ton of stuff myself with a little room to display it. How do you decide what equipment to show? Is there a method to my madness? Yeah, there is a total method to my madness. Uh, this is my office and I come in here and work. And, uh, if I'm working with some piece of gear in here, um, let me look at the screen so I can see what you guys are seeing today. Yeah. So I was working with the Mark five earlier. There's my Archon that I've refaced. It's got a new grill and, um, uh, so I was working with some stuff. If I'm working stuff in here, I practice and play a lot of stuff in the other room. Uh, that's a big thing. And then I have a shop uh, downstairs that I mess with. And um, so it really everything is for practical purposes. In fact, I don't keep anything I don't use uh, unless it's specifically bought for collecting value. Like I have guitars that I keep. Um, I once did a video where I said I don't use cases. I only use gig bags. And then that is actually 100% true, except for the fact that I do have guitars in cases if the purchase was made specifically for putting the guitar away. Um, something that I wasn't a big fan of, by the way, buying guitars to keep, you know what I mean, in a case. Um, my wife started that. She would put guitars away um, that she thought was interesting, and then I just started doing it too. So there's not a lot. I mean, there's a few guitars uh, in cases for that, but... Um, basically everything's moved around for use purposes. If it's being used, that's why it's there. Um, that's the thing. So easy decision to make. If I need it, it's there. I, uh, I tend to migrate too, uh, depending on what I'm doing. So what else do we got going on? Tony noon says, Hey, he's doing his first fret level on a Squire Strat. Any tips? Yeah, of course. Uh, your first fret level. The, the first thing I want you to be aware of is that you, uh, are going just setting out down this mission. Just remember, you are going to be your own warranty. You're going to fix your own mistakes. So the first thing I tell everybody is don't be apprehensive, right? If you feel that you can do this project, do the project and don't worry about, uh, go slow, go steady, uh, you know, measure twice, cut once, all those kind of, you know, suggestions, but just be aware that if you, you know, do something to a fret, you'll fix it. You know what I mean? If you have to rip a fret out later and refret, you'll do that too. The, the beautiful part is that you need to, I feel a lot of times some of the worst mistakes I've seen on repairing instruments is a fear to damage or do something to the instrument that you can't fix. And I find that fear, that, that, uh, uh, 
hesitation causes a lot of times that problem. So uh, just go ahead and, and do the thing. Also, but the best, the next thing I can say, make sure you have the right tools. The right tools uh, are, are, are very important. Um, obviously, I use do Mac tools. There's a lot of opinions out there about that. I, I've said this uh, for years. I use do Mac tools because I trust them. I like them. I use them. Um, and uh, if you have the scratch, I suggest you buy them. Uh, you, you if you buy the right tool, you shouldn't have to rebuy the tool. Uh, Z files are great. Um, there's a you know there's a ton of stuff. Uh, I recommend. Uh, what's great is I recommend them also as a resource. Uh, and um, so check that out. Next question we have. We have a lot. There's already 470 of you guys. Um, apparently, apparently we all want to talk about guitars today. Chris Clark says he's so sick of musician ads. Well, Chris, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know they're tough. Um, you know, we don't warrant we don't warrant the Coca Cola ads. Us uh, gear YouTubers, we don't get the big ads. We get the musician ads. Um, so, uh, but you know, at least they're helping pay the bills. I think of it that way. You have to watch five seconds of whatever that is, or how many seconds they let you do it before you skip it. But at least you get to watch content. And uh, but yeah, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, I'm musicianed out a little bit myself sometimes. I actually have the the what do you call it? And now they call it premium. It was called YouTube Red. I I paid for that. Um, I was just talking about this the other day. It's ridiculously overpriced. It's like ten dollars plus change a month. And um, the reason I say it's ridiculously overpriced is I I, I think it's actually more than Netflix. I was like laughing going, um, but here's why I do it. So, you know, I don't do it. So I don't watch commercials. I could care less about commercials on YouTube. Uh, you know, I, I don't have TV. I haven't had TV in seven years. So commercials on YouTube is not the end of the world for me. The reason why I have that feature is because on my phone, I can download videos. And since like you guys heard me saying I travel a lot, I've been traveling so much the last year or two that, um, it's nice to download. I'll download like four hours worth of YouTube videos. So it's really nice. A lot of times when you guys ask me, have you seen this video? Have you seen that video? Um, I have them banked up. I just wait for that downtime to watch. So one thing that thing's nice, whether you're in the airport, um, you know, sitting, waiting for a plane, or if you're traveling somewhere and you're sitting in a hotel board, you can literally just catch up on all that stuff. So I like being able to download that stuff. And I actually figured it out one day, uh, what I was paying for unlimited data on my phone was more expensive than, than the, just downloading it. You know what I mean? So I can have now, uh, not so much unlimited data on a phone because I can, once it's in your phone, you're just watching it on your phone. Uh, let's see what else do we got going on? What else? What else? You know what I'm going to do since I haven't done it yet. Let's open up the super chat screen. So I have it over in the corner and just give me one quick second. I think it's, nope, it's not community settings. It's super chat. It actually says super chat. Okay. Wow. See, I only saw one or two and there's a couple. Uh, let's hit this. Uh, Pedro uh, Flores says, hey, I have a Princeton Reverb Sweetwater Edition recommendation for tubes to replace the grooves. Uh, yeah, I haven't replaced mine. I'm pretty sure mine groove tubes. You got you obviously remember me saying I didn't like the groove tubes. My amps right there. And uh, but there's nothing wrong with them. Here's my suggestion. If you're not having a problem with your tubes, don't replace them. It's money wasted. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't think you I don't think if you replace the tubes. If you're just going to directly swap out tubes, you know what I mean? For like tubes by another brand. 
you know, there's a, some connoisseurs out there, man. They swear by it. You know, if you go to JJ's or if you go to uh, Electro, Electro Harmonics or if you go to Ruby Tubes or whatever you do, you're going to have some improvement. Uh, I, I'm going to argue that the improvement improvement is minimal and, uh, you know, put the money in your pocket and save it. You know, I, I really do believe don't don't uh, don't fix it. If it's not broken. If there's nothing wrong with the groove tubes, leave them in there. Just, um, you know, if they start acting up or, you know, get, going bad, replace them. That's my suggestion. Although I'm sure somebody in the comments will put what tubes they think you should get uh, if they have an uh, opposing argument. Uh, let's see. Uh, William says, hey, you rock, Phil. You rock, William. Thanks for saying that. Hey, William. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it says, uh, how are Zager Acoustics? They advertise as they are some secret playability. Yes. Uh, what is it? The easy play system or something, right? Easy to play, easy system. Uh, in your opinion, is it just a great setup or is it factory? Uh, in my opinion, working on uh, about six Zagger guitars over the years, all of them were a flat-out lie. Uh, none of them were ex anything close to what they were claiming them to be. Um, my experience with Zagger Acoustics as a whole was the customers that bought them online and brought them in the shop for setup or repair or issues. Um, the uh, There was nothing to the setup that was actually uh, uh, beneficial. Um, so now... That is what I call a sample sizing, right? Have I tried all Zagger guitars? No. Have I tried the majority of them? No. Have I tried uh, at least four, maybe probably six, because I've got to do it off my memory? Uh, yes. Uh, would I recommend them to anyone? Not based off of what I saw. Um, there's nothing I saw that was, uh, it seemed a lot of hokiness, infomercial uh, stuff. Now, this is one of those things, though. Those are my experiences, and you know, I always like to say this: your mileage may vary. If you have a Zagger guitar, please put it in the comments if you've experienced like me, or if you had the opposite experience. Because one thing I have not done is own a Zagger acoustic, and maybe it have a different, maybe it have a different opinion if I bought one and loved it. Um, now, there was nothing wrong with the guitars, and there was nothing. Um, you know, nothing I would say be wary of, but uh, I did not see a super playing system. In fact, uh, all of them uh, I thought needed a setup when I when I when I worked on them, and none of them, by the way, were used. Uh, so that's something to disclose. Nobody brought me a guitar that they bought used. So I mean, there was at least there's no chain of custody. They all bought them new, and uh, may and over time felt maybe they were missing something. So there you go. Um, there you go. All right. Uh, shut up. Let's talk says old Ivan is trim snapping strings on bins. Help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've seen that before. A lot of times, not all the times, but a lot of times, especially on the old Ivan is trim low systems. Uh, what you have is a burr, a uh, piece of metal that over time, the string is maybe cut into it and causing something to cut into the string and snap the strings. That is very common. Uh, and the way I fix that is using some, uh, well, you can use steel wool. I mean, if you don't have it, I use, you know, obviously, uh, a micro mesh pads that are really fine, like cuticle files. Um, uh, I mean, really fine. I think I'd probably, if I grab that, I'd probably, well, I can tell you right now, I would start at least at 1500 grit. So it tells you how fine we're going to start at. And I wouldn't probably even use that. I'd probably go like 3200 grit. <laughs> right, which is almost going to feel like a piece of leather. But I think you can use a piece of steel wool or something. Just go ahead and smooth it out. The, the trick is this. A lot of times with a burr, you can't really feel it. You know what I mean? Because remember, we're talking about, you know, a, a very small indentation into the bridge. So just go ahead and polish the spot as best you can, uh, and that will help a lot. 
So that's what I would do if you brought it to me. How about that? I would polish the spot out. I wouldn't charge for that. People would ring them in all the time and they're snapping strings. So, you know, this is such a common thing, uh, something to talk about that's kind of cool. This happens on instruments on their tuning keys, by the way. Um, where the hole in the tuning key shaft is, it gets a little cut in groove right in there too. And that groove, uh, you know, that burr cuts on the string and snaps strings at the top too. So the issue you're having with your Ibanez Tremolo is not isolated to the Ibanez brand or your tr that Tremolo system. It's isolated to anything with a soft piece of metal or softer piece of metal or just metal with time where it's getting misshapen just a little bit and it's not as smooth as you want it to be. And tuning keys are probably more problematic than bridges when it comes to that. Um, so if you're snapping strings, like you seem to be at the same uh, time, like I said, you're doing string bends and snapping it. Uh, that's, that's the big thing. The other thing is, uh, is always pay attention for all you guys out there that uh, may have this issue. Always pay attention when you break a string on a guitar, whether when you bend it or if you're playing it, where it broke from, if it was from the bridge or the tuner. And then when it breaks again, make mental note or write some notes if you, you know, have a bad memory. So you remember that each time it breaks, you want to take account of that. Sometimes to you, you might feel like it's snapping all the time in the same place, but sometimes you, you, if you write it down, you go, Oh, last time was at the bridge. Now it's at the neck you, uh, at the, you know, the tuning key. Um, that'll help you also decide where the problem is fixated to. So, all right, let's go back to some of the group questions. Well, I pinned all the, the super chats guys. Like I said, if you super chat, I'll, I'll, I have it pinned and we won't lose it. They, uh, let's find i I'm always looking for interesting, questions uh robin's got a question robin keith charlie says kitty hawk amps question mark uh good or bad uh what happened to them i don't know them that's why i wanted to read the question kitty hawk amps i've never i'm not familiar with the brand of amps so i, I don't know much about it but what's nice is sometimes when you guys ask me questions like that i like to say it so i timestamp it and uh, I can look it up later. Maybe I'll, if I find it when I timestamp this, I can link it. And when you guys uh, watching the replay can look at the, the link that I found too. I'm always interested in a different amp. You know, it's always, it always feels like, um, I always feel like, uh, what do you call it? It's, um, you know, the choices of amps, it's like always like 10 choices, but when you hear new choices, you get excited. So, all right. Um, what else do we got going on? Uh, let's see. Ah, Johnny Karate. Johnny Karate. <laughs> Must be a Karate Kid fan. Johnny Karate says, just saw your GNL factory tour. Uh, what guitar did you get and how would you compare it to the USA professional strap? Well, I, I, I'm a little apprehensive to tell you guys exactly what guitar I ordered from the GNL factory yet. Uh, obviously I plan to review it, uh, once it's built. Um, but I will tell you, I'll give you some basics of the guitar. So I went with the ASAT uh, model. That's what I ordered. And uh, with a twist. So I wanted to um, I wanted to take advantage of what I saw there. So uh, since we're talking about that, I hope most of you guys, if not all of you, watched the... Um, the uh was it the offender uh museum gnl video there's a series of these videos i have i'll have one on monday uh coming uh this monday that it will tie into that and of course another one the following week um and it was a very enlightening experience and it was very powerful um i have been to a lot of factories and shops had a very you know, like I'll, I'll use the Framus shop like last year. Framus was, you know, Warwick was an interesting place because it was so technically, uh, you know, 
technologically advanced and it was really cool and it was it was really you know exciting to see the their, their crazy wood selections and the way they did stuff and it was interesting and and i've been to factories like fender where there's like and gibson where there's like a history kind of thing and there's a vibe the gnl thing was a man it was a different experience it was a way different experience um and the takeaway from it, of course, was very, very positive um, to, to, to the extreme, but mostly not because of like the there's the guitar aspect that's isolated. Let's take that and put, pull that aside for a second. The, the Gino guitars, of course, they're good. Uh, I have a history on this channel talking about that, that they were good quality guitars. Uh, I think a lot of people I don't think anybody ever questions whether or not the Gino guitars are good as quality. Um, I think uh, the big issue is, you know, what are they? You know what I mean? Why are they, you know, everybody's like, well, they're slightly better than Fender. And what does that mean? Or they're whatever. They're an alternative to Fender. Uh, the reason why is not only the history aspect of it was so powerful and meaningful. Um, I think to me, um, because I kind of knew the story, but to hear it. And then all of a sudden to hear some of the detailed spots that connected it was interesting. But the thing I want to take away from GNL is this. Here's how I want you to imagine GNL. Uh, the way I, the way I not imagine, I want you to see it the way I saw it. You know, when I think of Fender, uh, or when you think of Fender, I want you to think of the fact that it's like a half a billion dollars in sales a year. It's like a four or five hundred million dollar company. And these are give or take numbers, but they're they're accurate. You know what I mean? Th that's the power of a Fender company. They're a half a billion so dollars. Um, you know, Paul Reed Smith is going to do 50 million. They said this year in sales 50. So Paul Reed Smith is a $50 million company. Okay. Give you a scale. Uh, so Fender is almost 10 times the sales of Paul Reed Smith in dollars per year in right gross sales. And then you have music man. And I don't know what music man sales are, but we're going to, you know, but obviously they have Ernie ball attached to that. Uh, I'm going to say smaller than Fender and bigger than PRS. I think that's a, a great assessment. I think most people could grasp that. GNL probably is a three to five million dollar a year sales company. So you're talking about a company, you know, like Fender is a hundred times larger than them. And I don't say that with any disrespect. I don't say that in a negative. I want you guys to see the positive that I saw. When I see a company that size doing what they're doing and being competitive, I mean, a GNL guitar is competitive at price with a Fender. And you know, the funny thing, the sidestep, the, one of the things that interesting all week that has been talked about, uh, I read the comments, as you guys know, on all the, all the videos, I try to read all the comments. Um, and on a side note, <laughs> I'm just cause I'm disclosing that, that I read the comments. I should probably also disclose that somebody edits the comments or just they delete bad comments. So a lot of times when you guys trying to, say negative things to me. I just want to be aware. Sometimes I don't get to see them because they delete the stuff. So before I get to do it, before I get to see it. So um, I'm just letting you guys know. I think it's just transparent to let you guys know. A lot of times when you're trying to say something bad to me or whatever, I don't get to see it because it gets deleted before I get there. But, uh, but anyways, if I do get to see it, at least I get to take it in. Um, but the point is uh, with the uh the the comments was there was a lot of talk about the resale value of a gnl and what's interesting was uh i agree you know resale value of gnl is not as strong as a resale value as a fender and that's that's not a dig against gnl that fender's resale value is very powerful always has been so it's a huge brand i mean they sell t-shirts you know and G fender sells as many t-shirts and merchandise as some of the larger guitar companies hope they could sell in guitars but 
the interesting point was when I was looking at something, it's not, I had an epiphany actually in the morning at GNL. Here was the epiphany. 10 years ago, if you would have took at Fender's price points at 2008 and GNL's price points, GNL was actually more expensive new than Fender. And now, 10 years later, Fender's price increases have been steady. So GNL is actually priced technically below Fender's pricing for the cool products. So I thought that was an interesting observation. That was my observation. And so then when I looked at online resale, and the reason I'm telling you guys this story is because I went online. When I came back from the factory, I was all excited. I want to buy a guitar. Um, I actually want to buy a couple. And I did what I think, what I think we all do. I looked for a deal because, you know, I'm not made of money. I got to, you know, I want to spend a, a reasonable amount of money guitars. I looked at used GNLs. But when I looked at using GNLs and I started comparing them to the new ones, they're actually, the resale value was very strong. I was really shocked. And I think it's because even though I think just as short as a couple years ago, GNL resale value was not that great comparative because they haven't been doing new price increases. It's like, it's like now the resale value. In fact, I saw a couple guitars. If you go on reverb, I saw a couple guitars um, this morning when I was looking again, uh, used, they were, uh, almost what they are selling for new now. So something I'm just telling you, cause I, I really care about you guys and I want you to be aware of something because it was very easy after that. I actually decided, okay, well, I'm buying one new now that I know, you know what I mean? That it's better to buy one new than versus used. So I ordered the new one. So to the initial question that I've went all sideways on, uh, I ordered a ASAT, um, I, I ordered it in Margarita Metallic. Uh, you GNL fans will probably know what I'm talking about. The rest of you will not know. You will look it up right now, and some of you will probably be disgusted. There's actually a reason I ordered that guitar in that color um, as a sentimental uh, point with me, uh, so to speak. So I like that color and, um, and I ordered it special. So I want to keep that part, you know, not secret, but wait to the reveal. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be before it's being built. Um, but, uh, but I can tell you, you're going to be, you're going to see a lot of stuff about it. <laughs> so what else did we got going on? Um, uh, Michael just did a super chat for no reason. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. Can't hate that. Uh, it's like the putting money in the tip jar. <laughs> it's like, um, I'd be like, and thank you and tape your tip your waiter, right? Tip your waiter. All right. Um, okay. We got a couple questions. Let's, I got a pen. I want to hit them. Says, uh, crisp bagels, crisp bagels. Hold on a second. I got water today. Says, what does he say? He says, Hey, Phil got an Epiphone Les Paul studio and the bridge pickup cuts in and out randomly. We checked it visually and everything looks okay. Bad pickup. Nope. It's not your pickup. Uh, very rarely to next to never is a pickup bad. It, it's just not a thing that goes bad. The culprit's going to be probably the switch is acting up. That's probably your number one culprit, especially on an Epiphone. That's where some money's being saved at three-way switch. What I, what's nice about this is, um, you know, this is a good time to get your multimeter out and kind of check things out. But I will tell you this, if you just go ahead and replace the three-way switch, that is something that's already going to be an improvement. You might as well do it. Get that junky switch out of there. Get the nicer one in there. And if that fixes your problem, you go on your way and you're good. If the problem still persists, you can then kind of troubleshoot down the road, but jump down the line. But I'm going to guess that if you're not seeing frayed wires, frayed connections, bad solder joints, I'm going to say the switch. But what I would love to do, Chris Bagels, is play a game with you. Here's the game I want to play with you. If you think you can do that, let me know. You can uh, send me a message at Ask Know Your Gear. Uh, and I would like to get a follow-up to see if that was the problem fix. I always like to know, you know, if that if that 
fix the problem or if it was something else and then that helps me learn from the next time too especially this i'm kind of just giving advice without seeing things and i'm trying to keep you know seeing if i'm even hitting somewhere in the ballpark um but i think i i think i'm right on that one uh bruce says hey man looking for some tips on playing bass and eliminating that string slap and fret sound um Okay. Well, the good news is, Bruce, I have a video. Uh, I, I did it. It's edited and finished. It's called How to Slap on a Bass and Guitar. That was from when I did the Can You Put Your Bass into a Guitar Amp? And a lot of people sent me a message saying, hey, we'd like a slap bass video and a slap guitar video. And I said, okay. Um, but uh, the videos are... You'll see, man. Yeah, soon, Bruce, I just promise you this. Uh, the... Uh, the, it's the end of the year and I got a lot of content to push out. So uh, it's going to be a a lot of video content. In fact, there's a video on Sunday, this Sunday coming out. There's a video on Monday coming out. There's a video Tuesday coming out. And there's a video Wednesday coming out this week. So that's four days in a row of video content. Then a break on Thursday and then Friday live show again. And that's just next week and it'll start increasing as we go. It's because it's getting the end of the year and I got to get the content out that I've been working on. So plus I'd like to point out again, you know, as, as a big thank you, Michael shy is just an amazing guy and he's been helping. And I think a lot of, you know, who he is because he's answering so many emails and corresponding with me and calling me and emailing me back and forth and getting input and stuff. And, uh, he's made it to where I can get some stuff done. Um, just an amazing guy. I just want to say thank you again to Michael and I hope you guys all appreciate him. Um, I know a lot of you do because I get to read the email uh, correspondence between you and him. And you guys are always so very nice to him back and forth. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm kind of, I guess I say grading his responses, but you know what I mean? I'm checking his responses, make sure he's saying stuff that I understand, you know, that I, I'm, I agree with. And, and he's just doing a fantastic job. So that is why hopefully, um, you should be seeing more content and more stuff going on. And the GNL thing, so you know, the GNL thing was so great that uh, it was, it was, it was definitely because of Michael and stuff that I could get that that kind of stuff done. So thank you again to Michael and uh, and thank you to everybody who's been uh, so kind to me and him. Uh, not to mention, oh yeah, not to mention, that's a good segue. He's writing some some great stuff on the website, so please check out the website. Um, the website content, man. If you guys are looking for stuff and you're and Here's something to point out on the website. It's kind of nice. We, it's formatted, obviously, for a phone, but it's really formatted convenient for a phone. If you're bored and you just want to read some cool articles, we got lots of great stuff on the website now. So it's a, just w way more time to build the community and and just do this stuff. So stuff, are, stuff is really getting done, and I'm really happy. Sarang says, what piece of gear or tool do you think is way overpriced for what it does? I think the bushings... Uh, for an Ivan's arms are pretty bad. You know, Trimble arms in 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 whole always seem very shockingly expensive to me. You know, Ivan's. I'm an Ivan's fan. Just the Ivan's push and whammy bar that's like thirty bucks is for a you know a metal bar always seem kind of pricey. Um, you know, a lot of stuff is specialty tools. The ESP wrench that I swear by that I love. Uh, I own three of them. Uh, it always feels pricey to me. Um, you know, one of the most, uh, one of the ones that feels really intensely uh, overpriced uh, is, and again, we're just talking about feelings. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't need anybody freaking out on me again about me saying stuff's overpriced. You know, it's, it's okay to feel that something's overpriced. Um, I have kids. Half the crap that they tell me that when they need money, I always feel like it's overpriced. It's just an emotional response. I think that's part of being a dad is to attach emotions to 
costs. Anyways, uh, fret rockers always feel crazy overpriced. Like I always look at it like it's just a sheet of metal and it's like 30 bucks. And I'm like, holy crap, my reaction every time. Um, and mostly because I, I recommend fret rockers a lot to musicians for checking frets and stuff, you know, diagnostics. And they're always like, oh, I looked at it, it was 30 bucks. And I'm like, oh, is it 30 bucks? I always forget. Like I, because once you buy it, you use it so much you kind of slowly forget that it's all expensive item um because it's inter in in intertwined in what you do every day but that's you know pieces of gear like that i like to think of overprice as shock factor stuff feels uh, you know sometimes the price shocks you a little bit and if you want it you buy it and if you don't want it you don't buy it that's how you that's how it works so i tend though i will tell you this where i think i'm different than most watching especially now you know being on youtube a lot of times when i claim complain about stuff being pricey or overpriced it's because i bought it i find people complain about the price of stuff and they don't buy it obviously because they don't want to pay that much for it but i always feel like you have more right to complain about the price if it if physically you bought it <laughs> you know what i mean because it's you know it is like i said it's an emotional response to the fact that you feel like i worked i worked this much to get this much money and i feel like i got this much for how much i worked that's what overpriced is. It's an emotional response to, to your labor exchange. This is how much it took me to make, this is how much energy it takes to make that kind of money. When I gave it away, I didn't feel like I got something equal to the amount I worked. That's why a pricing is always going to equate to emotionally. If I made $500 an hour, uh, you know, every hour of the day, I guess I wouldn't care. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> see if I ever, uh, I don't know. We'll have to, not that I ever plan to make that, we'll, but we'll, we'll have to see. All right, uh, Sean, Sean, yes, Cubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is Sean is a Cubs fan. Shawnee, Shawnee is a Cubs fan. I remember the sign-on before, and Sean, uh, is, it's got to be Sean, and then Shawnee is, must be your nickname because I don't know. Shawnee uh, is a Cubs fan, says, hey, Phil, uh, love the show. Marshall makes calves for the origin heads. What type of speakers would you put in them? Greetings from the Windy City. Um, I like vintage 30s. I've discussed this before. I think sometimes a lot of people, a lot of musicians, a lot of players have a lot of uh, a lot of speakers they like. I own I own a lot of speakers uh, throughout the amps that I own. Um, but I usually put vintage 30s in everything. Uh, I think they're heritages. Heritage Vintage 30s. Does that sound right? Yeah, it's Vintage 30s. And uh, why? Not because they're good. Not because they're their best. Because they're something I've used for so long that I'm just, I just know them. Does it make sense? Sometimes, sometimes knowing a piece of gear is better than having a good piece of gear. You know what I mean? I just know how they respond and, um, and I, I know how to EQ them. And I feel like my amp is represented really well. And I know what kind of bass response they'll give me. And I know they'll do what I need them to do. Um, but I like a lot of speakers, uh, though. Eminent uh, speakers are definitely some of my favorites as well, especially for the price. I think Eminence is one of those um, speakers that are awesome. And a lot of people talk about warehouse speakers and other brands like that. But uh, I've never had any problems with uh, getting Eminent uh, speakers for a song. You know what I mean? You can get them dirt cheap. So I also like used speakers, man. If you can find them from, you know, a reliable seller, somebody, you know, no crazy person, but yeah. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Sean Brown says, have you seen the H? Oh, the HS, uh, stomp. That's the new Helix stomp box. Nope. I saw what you saw probably was every YouTube channel. Uh, I think we already decided there's no way in hell I'm ever going to get on uh, any of the new gear that goes to all the new 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 YouTube channels doesn't seem like the companies um, 
like the companies like my brand of reviewing or whatever. Uh, in other words, like, you know, just the way I operate, it doesn't lend itself to promotional status. Um, I, now, that being said, there are a few companies that ask me to do uh, these, what I call promotion videos. Uh, see, to me, that stuff, when stuff hits the market, it's new. It's about promoting it for the companies and getting it out to the gear community. We're the gear community. Who doesn't want to see that stuff? And, um, and uh, uh, you know, I saw CS Guitars. He, he's a he's a cool channel. If you know his channel, and he was talking about the uh, Wazacraft Metal Zone, and he said Boss sent him one, but uh, they told him they put a gag order. They made him put his videos at the end after all the the other channels put theirs out because they didn't know what he was going to say. And I had that same thing happen with me with Fender. They sent me some product, but they asked me to push it back, and and um, they didn't, you know, but they didn't limit what I say. They didn't care. I, I, that's the way I'd rather do stuff. So I've kind of realized now that if I'm going to review stuff, I'm going to be one of the last channels you see with it because I definitely get the vibe. It's just a vibe. It's a feeling. I have no proof of this and ne nor did I even care um, that if companies are going to send me product to review for you guys, um, they don't know what I'm going to say. So they'd like to make sure I'm last. So there you go. Or I'm one of the last. And that makes sense. I don't even hate them for that. I don't have any issues with that. Would would you? I mean, you know, let let you know if they know. And, and I don't. I don't mean it's because it's a paid not paid thing. Uh, it's just because if you know, you know, what's funny to me sometimes you the company should be able to figure out what I'm a fan of and know if I'm going to be for it before it even starts. But who knows? I don't know. But I saw that. And I thought it was cool. Uh, I was immediately jealous. So you know, I was immediately like, this is probably what I want from Line Six. I think this is the Helix for me. Uh, is that mini one? But we'll see. I have the uh, the the Helix LT uh, review coming. Um, it's not this Monday. It's I think I don't know when it is. It's on my schedule though. So uh, let's see. Uh, Alizar, Aliz, Alizdar. Man, I'm sorry if I'm butchering names. Great video on the GNL. Grab a beer. Thank you. I'm going to grab a beer. Uh, so uh, that is my plan this weekend is to have a beer. So uh, some of you guys know that if you follow the Instagram, you know I'm doing the KYG 40, 240. I've been bringing it up on the live shows. That's the, by the end of the year, the goal is to uh, get 40 million views, 200,000 subscribers and lose 40 pounds and, uh, you know, just get updates. Um, 20, down 26 pounds as of today. Uh, we're about to hit, uh, 70, 178,000 subs. I believe that's going to happen before the weekend's over. Um, and we're going to hit 38 million subs or 38 million views before the weekend's over. Uh, cause we're in trend to do that. The end of year goals are looking sticky. So, you know, it definitely looks like we'll hit 40 million, uh, cause all I got to do is not slow down. So in other words, as long as I, uh, don't, you know, uh, don't decrease the amount of content, I think we're on our right way to hitting 40 million by the end of the year. I think it's going to happen. Obviously diet is, you know, I just got to behave. It's Halloween coming. Hey, there's a dog behind me. And, um, uh, so, um, so anyways, uh, so as long as, you know, I behave, the, the, the weight thing will continue to, to go on the, the way it's been going. And to be honest with you, I've hit some of the major things I've went and visited family. I've, uh, traveled, um, you know, I've done all the things that will trigger you to get off of a, a weight loss program, but uh, my weight loss program is not really a diet, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, and in other words, it's not like I'm not eating certain foods. I'm just doing stuff, stuff differently. And uh, But the subs, man, uh, projections show we'll, we'll probably be at 187,000 subs by the end of the year, so we're, we're really short on the 200,000 goal. And that's fine. You know, it's not like we get paid for having subscribers. <laughs> it's just more of a goal. You know what I mean? Just got to do something. Uh, 
Let's see. What else did we got? What other questions you guys got? You guys are awesome. Uh, we have... Uh, J.R. Baker says, what type of clear coat does Schechter use? I need to do a repair. I am pretty sure it's polyurethane. I don't think they use polyester uh, on the guitars in the World Factory, which is the Korean factory. Um, so it's, poly it's polyurethane. So that should be polyurethane. So that's how you would take care of that. So, you know, there's tricks. Depending on the repair, there's everything from using super glue. I've used super glue to fix chips and paint, uh, chips and clear coat and stuff. Um, a lot of tricks. Check them out. Uh, besides, you know, just refinishing. The okay, some of the questions jump around. How do we? <laughs> Sean Brown says, Sean Brown says, How do you deal with dog hair around gear? I hate it, man. I hate it like the plague. Uh, but here's part of the deal. Uh, and some of you will relate to this if you have a uh, significant other. Uh, I have guitars and she has dogs and cats and animals. My wife has animals. My kids have animals. My wife and kids have animals. I, I, I liked dogs and cats. Don't get me wrong. But be honest, if I didn't have kids and a wife, if I didn't have people who brought pets to my house, there would be no pets in my house. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I just deal with it. <laughs> um, uh, I did a video once uh, why I have a dog-free proof uh, pedal board, which is why I don't use Velcro on my pedal boards because of the dog hair. But, man, dog hair is on everything because, as you saw, I have just dogs. They just fur on everything so and i'm smart and i'm not going to bring up that there's too many animals uh there's only three but yeah i'm still not going to bring it up because uh would you want to have an argument with somebody about their three animals <laughs> if your guitar room looked like this be like and how how many how many animals do you need how many guitars do you need <laughs> so uh there's there's the answer but i will tell you this uh, the house i know this the house is vacuumed every single day and that's still it's like a losing battle so i understand so uh indrid cold says thoughts on court guitars i know they uh have a good rep making other brands name guitars but how is their own stuff looking at the court evl 26 with the mgs i love court guitars they're one of my favorite builders uh overseas uh samic and court are two of the big guys and court has always been one of my uh faves the court was originally in uh korea and then they moved to indonesia there's some drama over that it's not hard to read that stuff if you're a nam member like i am uh for the last 15 years um you know i you remember court guitars employees picketing the nam you know what i mean because the moving from korea to indonesia what i can tell you is that they make a lot of great guitars the new se guitars by prs has moved been moved from world manufacturing korea to court guitars in indonesia court tech and uh the gnl guitars the tribute guitars are made by court tech interesting thing about gnl guitars though that i thought was cool to learn there and i'll have video talking about this uh, later is that uh gnl guitars were made in korea and now they're made in indonesia but that's not because they changed factories that's because gnl started with court and has been with court the entire time. So the only reason that GNLs uh, were made in Korea and now made in Indonesia is because court moved. But that is interesting to know because that is the same facility. It's the same people, same machines. You know what I mean? Just they moved. So um, yeah, I'm a big fan of court guitars uh, as a builder. They also make, of course, Ibanezes and stuff. I mean, they're they're just a good good company. I mean. I would put them up there with like world manufacturing and Mir, which is another Korean manufacturer this, as just having a great reputation. Uh, you know, can you find a bad one? I'm sure. But I mean, by that logic, you know, you can find a bad guitar anywhere. So, uh, Jay will just said, Hey, love the channel and keep up the good work. Thank you. Jay will. I appreciate that. Um, 
Where's uh, <laughs> Lee Hoggins just said tip jar. Ah, all right, tip jar. The uh, uh, Chris, thank you. Chris Bagels said, thanks for the advice, Phil. I can get a minute uh, of uh, free time. I'll get it fixed and we'll let you know if it worked. Yeah, let me know if it worked. Uh, like I said, let me know. If you don't know how to solder, if you need any help with that stuff, again, you can message me through uh, through the Ask Know Your Gear because I'm curious. Um this, that would actually help me because we're reaching out to people for certain projects, uh, doing stuff right now. So what else do we got going on? There's 838, 840 of us watching now. All right. Uh, what do we got? Okay. Bellin says the QC on the import GNL guitars I tried were not good. The factory setup was awful. I tried five or six and none of them were playable. That happens. You know, I did a, a sharpen my axe on a GNL and, um, you know, I swapped out a few things that I was not, you know, like blown away with. Um, but overall that's, that's part of that. What I will tell you is this, Ed, uh, what I did see and I visually saw it at their facility was they have giant piles of go backs where they were sending guitars back, uh, to, to Indonesia. So I know that for a fact that the, the, uh, that they are QCing them, but of course, you know, I think I've said this before. I will say it. I will continue to say it when it comes to mid low price, uh, instruments like import guitars. Uh, it's all about sorting. It's a sorting system. You you're going to see more mistakes because the guitars are made at a much faster pace. That's why they're cheaper and, uh, that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, that's, that's part of that. So the, the interesting thing about the GNL import uh, tribute guitars is this for me, I have seen, and, and this is just to tell uh, Bell in, in response to your, your, your experiences. My experiences are actually extreme with those guitars. I've picked up ones that are fantastic and I've picked up ones that are not that great. Um, and that seemed to be consistent. And I've had that experience with some other brands too. For some reason, it's like when it's right, it's golden. And when it's not right, it's just a mess. So that's been my experience as well. So. Um, buddy Bishop just said, Hey, he's from Nashville and he likes the first, the GNL video, the first one. Thank you. I, like I said, I'm really excited. I hope, I hope I'm glad you guys checked it out. I'll put a link in this video to it. If you guys haven't seen it, um, it was a really big deal. And I really want to thank Dave and Ron at GNL Guitars um, because not only for taking the day to spend the day with me, uh, but also to allow me to release that material to you guys. You know, that was very personal. What I did in that video, if you can't tell, is I turned on the camera and I put it in the corner of the room and I just started talking to them. And what happens over time, and you can definitely tell in the video, is people I've learned forget the cameras on. There's no glaring light on the camera. There is no lapel mic on him. I put a shotgun mic. It's mounted to the top of the camera. Uh, just a technique I've learned. I've done it many times. I find the more the cameras in the room, the more the camera personality is in the room. And uh, so you end up getting a lot of candid stuff. And uh, that is what I'm after because that's the true essence of what we're trying to do on the channel is learn stuff, right? And you can learn something from someone who has maybe let go of some of the inhibitions and some of the res reservations they have about telling stories. And um, so not only am I really thankful that Dave uh, was kind enough to tell the story, but also uh, kind enough to allow me to share it with you guys. Um, and, um, and, uh, yeah, so thank you them for that. And thank you guys for watching it and, and appreciating it because like I said, I, I, 
I, I'm glad that that really makes me feel good because that is something I care about. I'm not here to, in fact, so you guys know, just for full disclosure, they offered to put me in a hotel for the GNL factory tour. Uh, I ended up paying my own hotel. I paid my own gas. They bought me uh, dinner that night. They didn't want to send me, They I, I drove, so you know, I drove to GNL uh, Wednesday night. I drove to California Wednesday night. It's like six hours. And then I stayed in a hotel, got up that morning. I stayed the entire day with them. And then I drove back at seven o'clock at night home. So it was a fast turnaround and they were so nice. They didn't want me to drive home without eating. So they stopped and got me some, you know, they stopped, took me to dinner. So we did a dinner and then they let me go. So uh, the reason why I'm telling you that story is one, just, just to thank them again for the nice dinner. Uh, and they also made me a, sh they gave me a GNL shirt and they put my name on it. Uh, they gave me one of the work shirts with, and they had stitch fill on it. That, that was nice of them to give it to me. But the reason why it was a very important to me that this be an independent video. Um, I want these, uh, videos to be independent in the idea that, um, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the whole point is so we can all, uh, learn, you know what I mean? Learn something. I learned something. I hope you guys learned something. And, uh, and, uh, I don't want to just, you know, be pushing some kind of, you know, corporate agenda or some kind of, you know, business agenda. All right. Uh, oh, you know what? Reggie Wooten. Perfect. I forgot about that. He uses clear nail polish on paint chips. That also, I use that as well too. Anything that I can uh, fill and, and maybe sand and buff uh, and clear. Um, you know, the magic to that stuff is, is, is a good buffing wheel. So man, that's like, you know what I mean? Or having a friend that has a good buffing wheel. <laughs> Sometimes that's, you know, before I had a, a, a nice buffing system, I, I used to have a friend who had one and and uh, that's it. Hey, Steve from Boston. What's up, Steve? Thanks for uh, Guitar Hack. Says uh, that guitar was slung slow. Oh, I think he's talking to somebody else. Play I needed. So, uh, but hey, what's up, Steve? I enjoyed the content from GitCon. Uh, and uh, I need to talk to you soon, maybe. I haven't talked to you in a while. I just feel like, I think it's because you're, you're in Boston. It's just too far. Time zone difference. Every time I think I talk to you, I look at the clock and I go, it's like 11 o'clock at night his time. So, uh, you know what? Brad Miller said, hey, love the Steve from Boston Phil X video. It rocked. I agree. You know what? Uh, you know what? I agree, uh, Brad. And you know what, Steve? That's a good point. That video actually was kind of like what I was talking about earlier. He turned on the camera. He got one on Phil, one on him. And then they just started talking. And over time, they just forgot the cameras were there. You, got, you get to feel like you're just sitting with a couple friends talking. I love those kind of videos. Um, so, all right, what else do we got? Uh, we have more. We always have more. Okay, so Bamoza, Bamozi, Bamozi, sure. Uh, aren't the Indonesian PRS SE set up and checked by PRS in the US before being sent out to retailers? Absolutely. So is uh, so is the um, uh, the ones at GNL and obviously Schecter guitars are checked out. Um, you know what though? You know, I don't know about you. I, I like the companies have a level, you know, of quality, right? Of like, hey, the factory checks it, then it gets to the manufacturer, or, you know, and the manufacturer, whatever, it's PRS. And those guys, and they check it, and then it goes to you. But the truth is, I don't care what happens. Stuff always slips through. So, and then sometimes stuff happens in route. Sometimes stuff happens at the stores. So there's always points of this happens. I, I found that, you know, just the, it, it really, it always happens to be the, uh, for lack of a better analogy that I less, I love Lucy sketch where she's got the chocolates going to come the conveyor belt and she can't keep up with them. And then she starts like eating them. 
that's what I think happens when I see bad guitars, you know, like from PRS or if I see a GNL bad guitar or if I see somebody with a bad guitar, uh, Harley Benton or whatever, uh, whatever the guitar is and somebody gets a bad one and I see a bad one. What I think is maybe that day they just were running the machine too fast. In other words, maybe there's just, you know what I mean? They were just going too fast. I don't know. I don't know what causes it, but the stuff gets through. The trick is how much of it gets through. You know what I mean? At what point, if you put out a hundred guitars and 50 are bad and 50 are good, that's horrific, right? You know what I mean? The perception is going to be, uh, going to be there, you know? So, all right. Um, let's see. What else do we got? Um, yeah, V-Man says that's why stores should final do a final check. Well, yeah. Well, you know, part of the part of the problem is is this, you know, something to realize uh, right away is that the system in place then how we buy guitars is so new. It's not even a generation old. The way people bought guitars forever since since guitars started being sold in I mean, before there was music stores. I mean, think about this. There was, there was, uh, you know, I mean, there was music stores, but there wasn't guitar stores. Guitars were sold in like pawn shops and everywhere else. Guitars, instruments were put on display. You would pick through, pick the one you want, and leave the one with the one you wanted. And you were like, this is the right one. But now it's more like a lottery system in how we buy guitars. You know, and you know what I mean? They just show up at your door and you're like, okay, I hope it's right. Uh, you know, and that's just how it goes. And so, um, it's a little tricky and a lot of stores. Yeah. They check the instruments out. That's for sure. But also, um, they, uh, what do you call it? They, um, they didn't have to worry about checking them as much because you would just sift over them. You know what I mean? If the guitar was bad, you know, you just put it away. I made a joke once I was in a music store a couple weeks ago and I picked up a guitar and I, and I was talking to the owner and I picked up the guitar and the guitar was horrible. I don't know what it was, but I was like, ah, I hate this. And I put it back and then I laughed and he was looking at me and I go, you know, it's funny is it took me 50 seconds to figure out, I hate that guitar touching it or it took me two hours on the internet researching to figure out if i liked that guitar or hated it you know what i mean sometimes there's just no there's no uh, uh what do you call it there's no exchange i don't know what i'm trying to say there's no um you know what i'm trying to say i don't know what i can't say now <laughs> there's no uh i don't know i forget let's go on <laughs> old guy says guitars were sold at sears absolutely uh, that's the whole point. Uh, okay. What else do we have? We have some other comments locking in and it's driving me nuts. I still can't think of what I was trying to say a minute ago. Substitute. There's no substitute for touching a guitar. That's what it is. You can read about it. You can look at pictures. You can watch YouTube videos, but there's no substitute for physically touching it. But the sad thing is we live in a world where not always, that's not always an option. Okay. Uh, Aaron Adams says, Hey, Phil, I have a 2015 PRS S2 single cut semi hollow. Hey, so do I. And, uh, if I could, uh, if you could sharpen this ax, what would you do? Uh, PS, the pots are pretty crummy compared to the CE 24. Uh, Aaron, uh, what I can tell you is what I did to the blue one that's behind me right here. Uh, I put, uh, 8515 in the, in there. I think I like them better than the stock pickups, but, um, you know, am I happy about it? Like, is, am I, is the value shot, you know, making me pleased? No, the three-way switch I thought was kind of junky. So I replaced it with a switchcraft one and, um, potentiometers, you know, were fine. I know you're saying yours are crummy, but mine were okay. So I left them. So I just changed out the pickups and, um, you know what I did to it? 
I polished the the brass. I hated those satin brass buttons and the brass saddles. So I took a, a buffing wheel and I buffed all that shiny. Did that for aesthetics. Uh, I changed out the um, the pickups uh, to see how they sounded, and they sound a little better. But I, I can't argue that you know you'd be wowed with it. If it was, if I was going to change out some stuff on the guitar, you know, uh, well, not if I was going to what I did. Change out the three way switch, and if you want to change out the potentiometers, you can. The push pull potentiometers, there is they're cheap, but they're what's going to you're going to find pretty much everywhere. It's you're not going to find a much better quality uh, potentiometer out there in a push pull. Um, so yeah, if you want to take out the volume pots on it and go to better, better ones, maybe change out some of the capacitors, you'll get some slight improvements. Um, you know, and if you're like me and you do all your own work, uh, it's worth, you know, an afternoon of your time goofing off and doing that stuff. If you're going to pay somebody, I don't know if I would put the money into it. So, uh, what else? Like I said, I'm a big fan of the S2s. I like them. I think they're fine. Uh, to me, they're almost like the validation of why Paul's 21 rules of tone, whatever, doesn't make any sense because he's like, Hey, if you make, if you make guitar perfect, it's perfect. So he makes core guitars and then he makes cheaper guitars, like S2s and SEs. And I play those and I go, these are great too. And they go, well, yeah, of course they are. And I go, well, that, all right, that's a little different than the other thing, right? If you're saying that a guitar is perfect, if you make it perfect, if you don't make a guitar perfect, it's not perfect. And then you make slightly less perfect guitars, but yet they're really good. I don't know what that means. So to me, it means I got an S2 and a CE and uh, I don't know why I have my core guitars because I like these as much. So some people would disagree. Some people don't like the S2s as much as the cores. That's fine. I'm not saying they're better than the cores. I just say I like them as much. And I definitely like them because they, comparatively speaking with my pocketbook and what I spent for both, I feel like Spending a thousand dollars and getting the S2 uh, was a more pleasurable experience than like three thousand dollars in a core guitar. That's that's my experience, uh, personal experience. You guys might have a different experience. Um, Pyrocent Music says you look great, Phil. Uh, knowledge on the 2012 vintage reissue 56 Strat uh, retailed in, for twenty hundred dollars and goes used for seventeen hundred. Upgrades needed and a playability. Uh, yeah, so it's a vintage reissue. I don't know what you would upgrade on it. I mean, it has the vintage Cluson style keys. You can go with Cluson style locking keys, but I mean, I wouldn't uh, upgrade it. And playability wise, it's up to you. This is the only thing I will tell you is a personal experience with guitars like that. Seven and a quarter inch radius fretboards, seven and a quarter inch radius guitars are uh, feast or famine in the idea that they're either great or horrible. Uh, I have, that is my absolute experience with that so uh they're a little tricky because when a, a seven and a quarter radius guitar seven and a quarter sorry radius uh neck profile rounded fret, fret, uh, fretboard pref, profile is good it's fantastic but when it's bad it just it's a horrible guitar to play so that's my experience with that uh nothing to upgrade but be cautious to make sure you love the guitar okay austin hawkins says why do you think there are not many hardtail S-type uh, guitars anymore. What is the red Ibanez to your right? Also, how do you feel about Dimebag Daryl? Rock on. Okay, that's three questions. Let's hit them all each time. First, what is the Ibanez to my right? I don't know because I have to look at the screen. I don't look at the screen you guys see. I have a different screen. Uh, it's not red. It's uh, Road Flare uh, orange. It's orange. It's called Road Flare red, but it's actually orange. It's a, 
uh, RG550 and it's going to be converted to two humbuckers versus single humbucker. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary. It's the first one, not this new one. Um, so that's what that is. I always wanted one because of Paul Gilbert and I bought one uh, years ago and, um, you know, I never play it. <laughs> So, in fact, I pulled it in here to play it for a little bit, and I was like, "Yeah, these necks." The, you know what it is? This the, the RG five fifties. The neck is like a row of saltine crackers. is so thin. I, I don't know why. I'm just not into that. I've never been into the micro thin necks, but it's fun, and I love showing it to friends because uh, it's one of those guitars. When people pick it up, there's a love hate relationship uh, with it. People either think that's the coolest thing to have a thin neck, or they think oh, it's horrible. Um, but uh, that's what it's uh, in there, and uh, it has Eddie Van Halen Wolfgang pickups in it. So those are kind of cool. Uh, what else? Uh, why don't they make? Uh, why do you think they don't make ha uh, hardtail strat style guitars anymore? Um, well, I can tell you the main reason that I find Fender doesn't, even though it seems to be a requested item, is uh, one: it makes them change their CNC machines, and that takes time and money. But the other thing is, believe it or not, although I think everybody, this is my theory. Although, and this is my experience and my theory and play. Although everybody thinks they want a hard hardtail strat guitar, I find that when they get one, they don't actually like it. Um, now, if you already played one and you like it, you're not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is in theory. People in theory think, oh, I, I would love a strat more if it didn't have a tremolo and just had a hardtail. It's a lighter guitar and, uh, you know, I don't use the tremolo arm. It's great. But it does change the bridge. The hardtail bridge does change the way the strings feel when you bend them right and uh, they just change a few things and so what you find is what i found is that a lot of players who th in theory want the hardtail strat style guitar when they finally get it don't want it and i think that makes sense because that would explain why a lot of companies won't make them because it's something that everybody that has never tried one wants but most people who have tried one don't even though the ones i found that some players love them so you might be that one that tried it and loved it uh, and also how do I feel about Dimebag Daryl? Well, he was amazing. Um, you know, to me, he's the modern sound of guitar, that heavy saturated sound. It's like right after you have the Metallica album, the black album, then you have the, you know, Pantera's, uh, you know, vulgar display of power. It's like those kind of go in line. Um, so I'm obviously a Dimebag Daryl fan. Um, I'm not a huge Randall amp fan, but I, my first real amp was a Randall amp. I had a Randall stack, but, uh, but uh, yeah, of course, I'm a huge Dimebag Daryl fan. Uh, I used to be a fanatical uh, uh, Pantera fan when I was younger. Uh, I went through a Pantera phase for three or four years and had every album and uh, you know watched them live and bought their DVD and they were great. But over time, you know, just less. But I, I listen to Pantera uh, not often, but I listen to them. I just don't listen to a lot of heavy stuff anymore. So there it is. Maybe that's an age thing. I don't think so, but because uh, I, like I said, I went through phases with heavy stuff, but not, not majority stuff I listened to was not heavy. Uh, Rasmus Dust says, "Hey Phil, Fender Mustang V2 or Boss Katana? I don't know, but I will tell you on Sunday." <laughs> uh, Fender sent me a Fender Mustang uh, amp, uh, the new one. It's a 100. It's downstairs in a box. Downstairs in a box. I have not tried it yet. I will be opening it tomorrow. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ralph's going to do the video with me. And we are going to go through the process of the Mustang V2 tomorrow. Uh, 
Obviously, I've played all the boss katanas, so I will let you guys know in that video what I think of it. I'm trying to make the video as honest as, as I can by doing an unboxing and kind of interacting with it and seeing what I think about how it interacts. My understanding is that once I turn the amp on and connect it to my Wi-Fi in my home, the amp's going to update itself to the version 2. We'll see. Like I said, that's something I thought would be interesting in the video is, to, you know, how hard or easy is that stuff? Since that's, to be honest, a part part of me with modeling amps, a part of me is, man, if this stuff is aggravating, I'm not into it. So uh, Fender was nice enough. They reached out to me and said, hey, would you be willing to check out the Mustang V2 amp series uh, and do a review? And I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't super stoked about it <laughs> at first. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I thought about it and I go, yeah, you know what? I bet you a lot of players out there have them or, you know, would like to see a video about it. So I'll, I'll let you know. And I'll give you an honest opinion on, on the Boss Katana uh, versus the uh, Fender Mustang V2. So, and what, what do I, which one do I prefer? I'll let you guys know in the video which one do I prefer. So curious. I'm curious. Which one will I prefer? Um, what else? Jason Spacek just said, hey, here's a tip, tip jar. Thanks. Thanks, guys. 900 people watching. You guys are crazy awesome. There's a lot of us. Okay. Uh, what else? Um, uh, Ed Pack says, I don't like the GT amps. I had the something too, V2. Uh, I don't know what he's saying. He had the, I don't know what that is. LLV2. I'm, I want to say it's probably the version two. And he liked it a lot more. I don't know. Like I said, I'm curious. Uh, Craig wants to know if I can do a V1 versus V2. Uh, well, I would imagine, Craig, uh, and if you guys know, if you're versed on the amps, that would help me out. I would assume what would happen is if I, uh, when I pull this amp out of the box, it's going to be V1, right? Here's what I know. Physically, the amp was shipped to me. So here's what I can tell you. The amp is in its box right now. It's never been opened. It's downstairs. And it was shipped to me before V2 was actually pushed out to the, to the public. So everything in my being tells me that V2 is not into the amp. So I should be able to turn on the amp, play, v, play it as V1 and then Bluetooth it. But, but the trick is, is I don't know if it's a, can you, can you, you don't have to check because isn't every V1 already going to be V2 when they update? Isn't that my understanding? Because part of the exciting thing about it was they, they had to really sell me on this. So, you know, the Fender guys, they sent me a couple of emails on this subject, you know, about checking this out. And one of the things that kind of, piqued my interest was some of the upgrades in the v2 version updates uh some of the things they're giving you in the new mustang gt amps is they're giving me some friedman amp models and they're giving you a like a clon a clon centaur pedal right some there was some stuff like that and i was like oh that sounds cool and the idea that i'd like to check that out um because that's all stuff i like so i mean if i get it and it sounds good then it's good and if it sounds horrible well then who cares but i thought it's it's really cool um so Justin Mabe says you have to force update it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I kind of figured it would you know, have to do, you know, something for update. So uh, I, I, I just can't imagine it's going to be too hard to figure out. <laughs> if it is, well, that'll be in the video if I can't figure out how to update it. And then... Um, all right. Uh, what else do we got? Surf... Sur Surfer Buy says, I want a Freeman. I have a Freeman. I love it. So I, uh, my, my problem is I love Marshalls. And so I love Marshall and Fender amps. And I think just like, 
I just like I love Gibsons and Fender guitars. You know, you like Les Pauls and Strats and Tellys and SGs, and then you like Marshalls and Fenders. And I think I I like those, so I tend to like things that are like those things. So, and uh, Randy Shama, sure, Shaman. Randy Shaman says, "Go in to try a Tele guitar kit build. Any suggestions or brand, uh, any type of pickups? Uh, great channel. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm doing a kit build right now for Crimson Guitars. If you guys follow on Instagram, the Know Your Gear on Instagram, or it's Phil McKnight. It's Phil McKnight on Instagram. If you follow that, I've been leaking out the videos uh, for the uh, the Beer Caster build uh, to to everybody there, and uh, I'm really impressed with the quality of what the Crimson Guitar guys sent me. It was definitely uh, not the same as a that is not you'll see in the video that is not something that you buy if you just want a cheap little made in china quickie you know uh kit guitar kit they are sending you legitimately crafted pieces uh, for guitar so uh so i can't not suggest them enough so and, I, and it's important i think because you know i think i said this and if not i'm saying it now uh on the crimson guitar build you know they asked me if i would be interested in doing this build and they sent the guitar to me the the, the parts of the kit but they're one of everybody i don't think anyone who makes a kit hasn't sent me an email to do a kit guitar and i said no to every single company until them because that was the first one that interested me you know what i mean so, um, and I'm so glad I did it because it has been a blast in the, uh, in the, uh, coming up with ideas for it. Okay. Uh, Todd, man, you have a hard question. It says, Hey Phil, I'm looking for ideas for our first electric guitar for my left-handed 12 year old daughter. Todd, that's tough, man. I'm going to give you this, uh, the advice uh, I would give a friend. First thing is, here's the, I can give you the test. Here's the test. So here's what I want you to do. Hopefully, if your 12-year-old daughter is watching right now, get her to not watch. <laughs> or, you know what? If she's watching, just have her listen to me right now. So here's what you do when you have a left-handed player that's at a young age. What you do is you ask them uh, to take their hands and just, you know, just have them out like this and ask them to clap. It's a clap test. The clap test is very important for uh, learning to figure out which way a guitar player should go when it comes to lefty or righty. Here's why. If she claps and she moves her right arm by doing this, if she claps like this, she is right-handed. <laughs> if she claps like this, she's left-handed. People automatically do that, by the way. Um, you know, and a lot of you guys are watching this can't test now because I'm telling you the answer, but you could do it to a friend tonight or your, you know, significant other. You just go to them tonight and say, hey, clap your hands. And when they do this, go, oh, you're right handed. And if they go like this, left handed. But believe it or not, left handed people tend to more than anyone else do this. They clap like this. And if they do that, that is because they're so used to using to doing things right and left-handed. So they might write left-handed, but they, you know, might play baseball right-handed and stuff like that. And if she does ex uh, show signs of clapping this way, um, try to hand her a right-handed uh, right guitar and put her on that road. And I know a lot of left-handed players get really upset whenever you try to put a left-handed player down the right-hand road. But the reason I say that is, one, the guitar options are much greater, and two, they're a lot cheaper. And that's not going to change anytime soon. Technology is here. Guitars, uh, you can make Harley Benton guitars for a nickel. There is no reason 
why you can't have cheap uh, and dozens and every, every color left-handed guitar because of cost. It's just physically there's not enough left-handed players to, to mandate the market. So if you can get her to play right-handed, go ahead and do that. Here's the, what I can tell you, though, is if she can't play right-handed, if she's definitely left uh, doing this, um, you know, uh, clapping with her left hand, then get her the left-handed guitar and go that way. She's 12 years old. I, I would start on a left-handed acoustic. Um, although I, you know, I went a little long on the question. I can't remember if you said electric or acoustic meaning, but, um, I would start her on acoustic anyways. So something to think about. Here it is. Uh, nope. You said first electric guitar. So first left-handed guitar, left-handed 12 year old daughter. You're not going to have a whole lot of choices for left-handed guitars. So, you're just going to have to find what you can find. Um, but uh, for left-handed choices, just remember, stay off the... You, you'll get more choices if you stay away from brand names. So a lot of off-brands will have a lot more choices than on-brands. So, okay. Uh, okay, we're at the... We're a little past the one-hour mark. Let's go ahead and button this up. What do we got? So we can start our weekend. Um, we have a question from, I'm going to say, man, I'm going to mess this up. Janani, Gianni, Gianni. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, Gianni says, looking for a guitar with a single pickup in the bridge, 24 frets, set in neck joint, all access style uh, for metal and hard rock suggestions. You can always have Kiesel build you one like that. I mean, that would be an easy thing to do uh, and get that done. A lot of the problem you're going to have is a lot of those one pickup uh, electric guitars are definitely 22 fretters because that's, a, you know, the super strat kind of vibe. Um, but if you guys watching this have suggestions of guitars you've come across, to me, nothing really kind of pokes in my brain, except for the fact that you could always, for what you're asking, what you're suggesting, you're asking for is a guitar that you could always look at. There's a ton of brands like Jackson and, uh, you know, and, uh, I've been behind me where if the pickups are mounted by pick, pick card, you can just get a custom pick card made without the neck pickup, remove all the guts and switch it over. So that's an option too, as well. Uh, Justin Tomes, Justin Tomes says, have you checked the new pro junior? I haven't checked the new, new pro junior. Um, I have not, I've heard good things. I liked the old one before. Um, I just got a blues junior again and, um, I, I was thinking about a pro junior, but I ended up getting a used blue junior used blue ju blues junior because that's what was available. It was used. It was just sitting there. So it's perfect. And so, uh, Chris K says, I'm not sure it's that's true, Phil, with all due respect. I don't know what's true. You're talking about the left-handed thing. Um, I, you, I don't know. We've, I've just talked about a few things. Uh, but in the left-handed, right-hand thing, uh, I can tell you this. Uh, I have been responsible for thousands of people learning guitar because I own a lesson academy for 13, 14 years. In fact, I still kind of do, um, depending on, you know, I mean, I still run day-to-day -day operations and, uh, I've sent many people on the road to starting guitar and that test has served me very well. Is it the end all be all? No, but has it been put in place and seen great results over a decade? Yes. So it, it's not whether or not something is true or not true. It's something I've used and I've had great success with it. A lot of times people have to, you have to understand there's multiple ways. There's more ways than one to skin a cat, which is a weird saying, but anyways, that's a nice way of saying there's a lot of ways to do something. And um, I take everything I say it, everything I say is not in theory, it's in practice. Um, because I, I feel like uh, by doing it in practice, it doesn't make me right, not even close. But 
it does make it easy to say it because I can back it with some results and say, hey, this is how we did stuff. So that, that system does, does effectively give you a good uh, a idea of how to do that. The reality, though, is that so you know, uh, I can tell you from experience that a lot of times if you just blatantly say, if somebody's lefty and say, hey, I'm lefty, and you go, okay, well, then, you know, you should play left-handed guitar. Believe it or not, there's as many problems. They've actually uh, seen players come back and say, look, I've tried to play lefty and I'm left-handed, but for some reason I can't do it. I've actually seen, so you know, uh, examples of the opposite. I've seen right-handed players pick up a guitar lefty and just start playing a lefty. It's a weird thing that happens, but those are not the majority. Of course, they're the smaller amount of uh, issues, but uh, yeah. And then uh, V man says, what if you move both hands? Well, that's exactly what I was saying. If you move both, you could be ambidextrous. Is that how you say it? Something like that. Ambidextrous. I don't know. I haven't said it in years. Uh, and then Star Spawn says, why can't lefties just learn to play righty? They can. Ralph's a lefty. He plays righty. My son's a lefty. He plays righty. That happens every, all the time. Uh, and um, But like I said, it's it's a programming thing in your head. You know, uh, the, what he was talking about was a 12-year-old girl. At 12, it's an it's a interesting age because things are being assigned, you know what I mean, in her head permanently in certain areas and some stuff is still up for grabs. So, But I like to experiment with the idea. Just try stuff. Just see how it works. You know, you never know what's going to set you down the right road. They uh, Just give them the right guidance and then and they'll figure it out. Yeah, see, so uh, Rick, Rick, Rico USA says, my 10-year-old left-handed son plays golf right and guitar yeah so he plays right-handed guitar yeah and that's that's the most common back in the day though so you know it seems like a lot of stores used to make all the lefties play righty because that's what they had inventory they're like oh well you know hendrix played upside down right-handed guitar just do that i i don't really buy into that stuff if that's fine you know if people do that that's not why i suggest that i just i just look at it this way you know um a left-handed the left-handed guitar world is a small guitar world. There's less choices for left-handed players. Most left-handed players will tell you this, you know, they get sick of only having a few guitars available in one color. And if you can give them more options, maybe that's nice, but I, I don't think it matters as long as they play. So if, uh, if you play lefty or righty, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it says, uh, and then Blues Dunk Bunker says, Z Sounds has a lot of lefty guitars. Well, so, you know, there's like left-handed only stores. I think it's like uh, southpaw.com. There's a bunch of stores that just do left-handed guitars. Obviously, now um, Paul Ritz Smith does left-handed guitars. You guys remember when he was on the live show, he said, you know, they don't do left-handed guitars, and now they do. So it happens. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, Boston Guitarist. Good question. Do strap lock mods destroy guitars value uh they shouldn't because you should be able to put them back the way they were um no uh i i, I can't talk about like old vintage guitars i mean anything can damage a vintage guitars but no if, like if you if you put uh locking straps on a guitar you're not going to harm the guitar in any, any way the only modification should be done with a, a locking strap is the screw should be either slightly uh girthier and in, in, in circumference or longer and you know, in, in, in distance. And, uh, and so it bites in a little better and that's an easy thing to fix and put back the way it was. So no, you should never have any, any issues with that. So, um, 
Oh, you know what? And then we'll. Yeah, David. David says righties are really playing lefty. Yeah, I always think it's funny this righty lefty debate thing. It seems to always kind of get you guys engulfed into things. Everybody has such a, a strong opinion of it. Um, I can only speak to it because I obviously had to deal with it. Um, you know, I used to have serious questions that we, we would get. We would deal with this a lot over the years. You know, left-handed players would come in and say, "Hey, do you have left-handed teacher?" I, uh, you know, what I mean, stuff like that. I, I understand. It's it's a very delicate process getting somebody to learn an instrument. I I have no no qualms telling people this. Guitar is a hard instrument. It's one of the hardest instruments to play for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, uh, theory of of the guitar is a as a is a mess. The way the guitar is constructed is a mess. The way it's not an easy instrument. And I don't think there's anything wrong with telling people that. You want you want the reward of a guitar is the fact that when you get there, you got to understand when you learn guitar and you can play it, whether you can play it moderate or advanced, doesn't matter. Um, you've done what very few people um, have done. You know, I used to, I used to force, so, you know, this is a little funny story. And we'll end on this. I used to make every guitar teacher in the facility have a piano in their room because I wanted them to teach theory on a piano. A piano is such an easy instrument to explain the theory of music on. And a guitar is such a nightmare. And sometimes, you know, people are by nature visual, you know, right? Not audible. We tend to see things and learn faster than hearing things. And so, you know, if you can visually show somebody. And so what's great about a piano, and this is how I illustrate guitar and piano to different. And this is why I say this, because piano players would always say, um, you know, piano players would say, uh, you know, piano is hard and it is, of course, but I always like to use this as a, an explanation. And this is kind of goes to the left-handed, right-handed thing and everything. Um, it's a hard, the, the whole thing about guitar is the bending aspect it seems to be the technique of guitar is the trick more so than the physical playing of the guitar the technique is troublesome it's hard to figure out but the reason why i always say piano is an instrument an instrument that's great to learn on is because of this one thing i don't need a piano to teach people just the basics of a piano which is almost impossible to do with a guitar and here's the thing i'll leave you guys with so um Everybody always knows on a piano, like middle C, right? I'm going to teach, this is how you teach anyone a piano without a piano in place. So I want you guys all to picture a piano right now. Hopefully none of you have one to stare at because I don't want you to have one to stare at. What I want you to picture is all the white keys and then the black keys. And whether you've seen a piano a thousand times or once, I promise you'll, you'll understand what I'm about to tell you. All the white keys are whole notes. Everybody kind of knows that, knows a little bit of piano, but that's all I want you to know. All the white keys are just the A, B, C, D, E, F, G. All the, all the whole notes. All the black keys are the flats and sharps. So automatically, think how easy that is compared to guitar. That is easy to explain. I just explained it to you, no piano needed. All the uh, whole notes are white. All the um, flats and sharps are black. Now, all the black keys come in series. They, they're threes and twos. In other words, there's two keys and three keys or three keys and two keys. It doesn't matter, right? That's how easy that is. You either have three sets of black keys or two sets of black keys. The two sets, the, the two keys, two black keys, we call that the doghouse. And the reason why we call that the doghouse is because that's where the dog lives. In other words, in between every two black keys on every piano, whether the piano is this big or full size, that is the D, the note, the D. So in theory of explaining that, here's what you just learned. And between all black, two black keys on a piano, there is a D. And of course, as you move uh, on the piano to the right, you would just go up the scale. So you have D and then you have E, F, G, 
And then the next one will be A, because again, there's no flats and sharps. We're just talking about the white keys, right? So you got the white key in between the, in between the two black keys is D, E, F, G, then A, B, C. Guess what? You're at D. What are you looking at when you're looking at D? Two black keys again. You would have a key right between the two black keys. The important part of this story is no piano needed. The If you don't know anything about piano, the next time you're at a Costco or somewhere where you see a piano for this, you know, the holiday season coming up, um, You'll look at a piano and you'll immediately see what I just saw you. You'll say, oh, there's all the whole notes. Those are all the flats and sharps and there's all the Ds done. That in itself is so easy to explain compared to guitar. So guitar is just not designed to be an easy thing to explain to people. Um, so there you go. And then Lawrence always explain, uh, just said, hey, and all the black keys are the pentatonic scale. See, like I said, pianos uh, are, are great. Um, I That's why I have a theory that a lot of great guitar players like Van Halen started on piano. Uh, I always, we used to recommend a lot of people to start on piano, even if they want to start guitar to learn their music theory, uh, because just for a lot of reasons. But that all being said, uh, that was a great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed hanging out and uh, doing questions. I had fun. These were some good ones today. And, um, and on that note, I hope you guys all have an awesome weekend. So, <laughs> and then the last comment is Vince B says, try to transpose on a piano. Yeah, sound, sad face. Yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying you can do that and you can't do that with uh, uh, a, uh, a guitar. And then Tim Farnsworth is saying, super chat. Hey, Phil, did you answer the super chat on Duncan pickups? Okay, hold on. Before we go, we will scoop any of the super chats that I somehow missed. Uh, they get archived and they're all here. I will scan them real quick and so we don't want to leave. Okay. Uh, I'm just reading them guys real quick. Ah, here it is. Tim. Hey Tim. Okay. So Tim's question was swapping pickups on a semi hollow for, uh, for trip. Okay. Got a pile of Duncan sets, PGs. Uh, so, okay. Pearly Gates, Alinko 2s and 59s and a single jazz neck. What pair are mix uh, for some classic modern uh, guitar must sing and provide backline? You know what? I, I, the Alinko 2s are great. They're all great for semi hollows. I like the 59s. That's what I would use. I mean, I understand you got the jazz too, but I would, if you got two at uh, 59s, put the 59s in there. Um, I like lower output pickups for hollow bodies. I just feel like they kind of resonate, right? Uh, that's how I kind of do it. So there you go. Uh, all right. So on that note, guys, we're going to call it a episode. And before we go on the sign out, I just want to thank everybody again for hanging out today. There was a lot of you guys. And also, uh, I want to do the shout out to the patrons that I didn't get to mention earlier in the beginning. And I'll just show you those guys real quick. So I can, you know what? I don't need to do that. You can see me and I'll just read off their names. We got Bradulus, Jeff House, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce and the One Blood Wee Band, Hannah Gunson, John Jex. Uh, Kyle Mathis was the one I mentioned. He's new. Uh, we got Michael Shy, uh, which Michael is obviously the guy behind the scenes, helping with the website, doing all the stuff and working his butt off. Uh, so I want to give him a special shout out. Justin Mabe, David Madison, Andrew Good, Anthony Desposito, Billy Robinson, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Stewart, uh, Bill Brotherton, Carlos Petrillo, Chuck Keen, Chris Glaze, Craig Parker, Daniel Psychic, Den Dennis Prescott, who's new, Dylan87, Craig Peterson, who's new, James Biles, Joe Watson, Jonathan Pickering. By the way, Jonathan Pickering, I think he's doing a cool thing with the coffee shop, doing a shout out. So if I didn't do a shout out for those guys, uh, that's awesome. Thank you again for that. You guys are the best. Kermit Jackson, Lawrence Petros, Lee Hawkins, Lonnie Hoke, 
Michael Lidner, Paul Ostrock, Lewis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal Effects. Miss you guys. I hope to see you guys at NAM. Ricky Robinson, Robert Books, Robert Hodges, Robert Wood Guitar, Scott Germain, who's new, Scott Tompkins, Space Jazz, Steve Penna, Tim, just Tim, Tim Camacho, and Todd Flowers. Thank you again, Todd and everybody, uh, for supporting these uh, live shows every Friday. And uh, thank you guys for... Uh, everything you guys do and hanging out also uh, just to remind you guys that there'll be a lot of content coming up this next week or so i didn't mention it uh but since the end of the show and most of you guys are probably zapped out anyways the shirt of the month is the hollow bodies just doing that the only thing that's going to be interesting to mention is the decision was made this week that we won't be doing shirt of the month next year so this will be just this year uh and how it works in fact uh there's a new shirt logo some of you've seen it i didn't really officially announce it it's not officially announced um but there is a decision and maybe like to hear your feedback we're thinking about like when we retired the old original logo at a hundred thousand subs we're thinking about retiring the do logo uh at the uh at the two hundred thousand subs and using the new logo i'm curious to see what you guys think of that uh i'm not sold on the idea yet um but uh that's what i'm thinking so less less stuff to check out and do i don't know we'll see as always guys i want to thank you so much for your time and until next time uh, know your gear <laughs>